Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Our guest this week is Katrina Adams, a repeat guest. We could take up about half this segment ticking off her resume and her titles and her roles and her achievements. She's the former president and CEO of the USTA. She's a board member of the ITF. She's a former player. She's a former coach. She's a former broadcaster. She's a currently a leader at the Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program. She is also an author. Um... I am experiencing this firsthand. There are two processes. One is writing a book, and then there is promoting a book. Writing a book, awesome. Promoting a book can be uh, a bit of a slog, especially in a pandemic when spreading the word is not always so easy. So we were happy to take this opportunity to uh, connect and let Cat plug own the arena, getting ahead, making a difference, and succeeding as the only one. That is the book she has uh just written that is now out. Um, get it on Amazon. She'll tell you where else you can get it, including her own website. Uh, this is a wide-ranging conversation. It's about tennis and its virtues. It's also about transitioning to executive positions. Um, Kat has advice, uh, general and specific, about making that transition and then using skills from sports uh, once you get there, once you get in the room. Uh, so you, too, can own the arena. Here's Kat. How are you? It's, it's, it's been a while. How, uh, how are you managing the, the first week of May 2021 in a crazy year? How are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a long year for sure, but uh, things are on the up and up. Things are opening up. I'm starting to get out and about a little bit more and I uh, couldn't be happier. Um, we'll get to the book. Uh, we'll get to the book in a second, but just what, what are you up to? You, you wear so many hats. Uh, what's, what's occupying your days these days? Well, my Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program, which is an NJTL chapter, is, is my day job. So that's where I've been spending most of my time. Um, you know, we're celebrating 49 years this year, just short of our 50th anniversary, and I've been there 15 years. So it's a program that we focus on uh, youth from the inner city of Harlem. 
Uh, we do work with all kids around the city, uh, from putting rackets in their hands from the grassroots all the way up to national uh, tournament players and, and college scholarship athletes. So it's definitely keeping me busy, particularly in a tumultuous time like, you know, during COVID and the pandemic where, where funding is not, um, you know, as, as free as it used to be. So uh, trying to raise money for the program. What, um, I mean, I think a lot of people have sort of, you know, reassess their relationship with, with tennis over the past year and, and took inventory of sort of where they are with it and where the sport is. Um, everything COVID and response to racial justice and 39 year olds still playing and recreation numbers going up. I mean, just kind of in general, what's, what's your relation to tennis these days? Well, my relationship is it, it's a daily grind um, from the program to you know, watching the Mutual Madrid Open on television every day or whatever tournament is going on every week, keeping up with the players and, and trying to figure out where they are and how they're playing. Uh, I'll be doing some commentating in a couple of weeks for uh, the Mosaic side world feed for Tennis Channel for Roland Garros um, the French Open. So I'm still keeping involved with that. I'm on the ITF board as a vice president. I chair the Gender Equality and Tennis Committee as well as the Billie Jean King Cup Committee. So we are having, I'm on a weekly call almost between a committee call or a board call um, these days, just trying to stay abreast and on top of uh, global issues within our sport. But it's been great to see that the tournaments are uh, happening week in and week out. We haven't heard of any illnesses in the last few months. So I'm excited about where the future is going for 2021 on the professional side, but as well as for you know, just those people that are out there getting back in the sport, learning the sport, getting outdoors and, and getting some fresh air. If, if tennis is cryptocurrency, if, if tennis is a stock, why, uh, why, why are you buying? What, what, are, what are sort of the virtues you're seeing right now in particular? Well, tennis is the healthiest sport out there, and that's, that's been stated. Um, and, and it's a sport for a lifetime, so why not? get out and play. You can play outdoors, you can play indoors, but particularly this time of year going into the summer, there's so many public courts around the nation, um, high school courts around the nation, college courts. And I think people are just having fun. You know, when you're talking about the pandemic, uh, we don't like to say it's a socially distanced sport, but it is. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're far away from each other and, and you can have a great time and, and then, you know, have a chit chat um, on the change of sides at, at the net. And so I think people are really thrilled about the healthy benefits from it, the exercise they're getting from it, and just being able to have a camaraderie with someone else. I think we all, we're all hoping these participation numbers uh, keep, keep trending the way they have. Um, so let, let's talk, I mean, first off, before we get to the book, how's the, uh, how's the publicity phase? I, I would say that writing a book is really fun and then selling a book is a completely different exercise. How are you, uh, how are you doing with this phase? How's it going for you? Yeah, it's different. It's different because of the pandemic. You know, we're not, I'm not at conferences where there are 500 to a thousand people that you're able to address or, or have book signings. Um, but it's been, it's been fluid. I mean, it's, I've been doing a lot of podcasts, a lot of virtual book club events. Um, I've started to do some in-person book signings. And so it's consistent and that's, that's all I can ask because you, you, know, you don't want it to be a one and done. You want this to really kind of move out throughout the year going into next year. I think it's a book that 
um, definitely will be a tool for, for years to come for people, um, particularly young adults that are getting into business or in business and trying to work their way up. And um, so I'm not complaining. And, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. Exactly. Um, no, I, I, you're, you're right, too. I mean, if, if you did a book about uh, the, the presidential election and six months from now it's obsolete, it's one thing. But it's, this seems to be the kind of book that's got a long tail, as we say. Um, the, the question that uh, authors always get that's really annoying and really basic, but I always feel like always yields the best answers, is it's like, why did you want to do this? There's this question of like, why did you want to write the book is, is the most trite question, but I feel like a lot of times uh, it's the best question. So I ask you, why did you want to write this book? No, it is a great question. And I, you know, and I've been telling people I had no intention or, or desire to write a book. Um, people were telling me for two or three years that, Kat, you need to write a book. And I'm like, I'm not writing a book. No, you really do need to write a book. Why do I need to write a book? They said, you have so much to tell. You, you've experienced so much. Your story is great. Um, it's so inspirational, and you know you should think about it. And and so after a couple years of being chased by a literary agent, um, one in particular, you know I decided. I said, yeah, why not? Um, and the only reason I did agree is because we decided that it would be more of a leadership book. And for me, I'm all about giving back and making a difference. And so in being able to write something that was inspirational, motivational. Um, and, and a tool, if you, if you will, for some leadership tips, things that I've learned, that I've learned through the sport of tennis and then have been, been able to adapt it to different business situations. That interested me, and, and that's why I wrote the book. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, how, do you, how do you frame it? I mean, there, there's, there are elements of memoir and, and you talk about your, your upbringing. You, you talk a lot about... Um, you start by talking about the, your role in the 2018 final, which, which we can talk about. How, how did you sort of position this and how did you think about it as, as you were writing it? Who did you envision as the audience? I envisioned uh, everyone as the audience, you know, across all genders, you know, races, ethnicities, and, and ages. And I, I think it's something that if you're a tennis player, you know, you're going to get some stories that, um, that will intrigue you. If you are a business person, you're going to get some stories that intrigue you. Um, if you're just a student, you know, there's some stories in there that will inspire you. So this is, this is something for everyone. I mean, when you look at the, the subtitle of getting ahead and making a difference and succeeding as the only one, and that only one for me is either the only woman in the room or the only black person or person of color in a room. And I think we've all been in situations where you are the only one of something in, in some environment, in some arena. And it's how you adapt to it, how you rise to the occasion, and, and what are those life skills that you're able to pull on to make you comfortable in situations? Um, what are those learning experiences that you've had along the way in life that allow you to rise up and sometimes above those situations as needed? What did you conclude? Um, pe pe people can 
read the book and get the specifics. But when, as you went about writing this and thinking about this, what what struck you? What did you uh, what did you draw out of your own experiences? Well, I think the important thing that I got out of it, one, is I got to reflect. Um, you know, I'm a person that always likes to move forward. I don't really look back. I kind of look back just for the learning experiences, but I don't go deep back, um, that, that deep um, back um, for me personally. But what I did learn is that, yeah, maybe I do need to go a little bit deeper sometimes and, and pull on those experiences and that knowledge that I have that can propel me forward in, in other arenas. But, you know, I love the sport of tennis. It, tennis gave me my, my career. Um, it's given me my pathway in life. And the life skills that we learn from, from the sport, you know, the discipline, building the self-confidence, self-esteem, you know, learning how to deal with time, time management, et cetera. These are all the things that we need as individuals moving through school in, in class um, and, and going into the work environment and, and how we can rise to a specific occasion when needed, you know, when under stress, under fire, dealing with adversity, you know, how many times have you gotten a bad line call and you, you kind of question your opponent, how do you respond from that? These are all the things that we, we deal with in everyday life. And I think from sport, in particular, you know, we learn more from our losses than we do from our wins. And, and I think that's a matter of reflecting. And this book really gave me an opportunity to not only reflect, but really think about all the people that came into my path, that supported me, that lifted me and pushed me forward um, to get to where I am today. And that's what motivates me in reaching back and pulling forward to others from students in my program, or to young mentees that are reaching out for support. What was your process for doing the research as, as you thought back? I, mean, I don't know if you kept journals or if you watched old tapes of your matches. What was your process for, uh, for looking backwards? Well, I am one of those people that has that memory that I don't really forget much. And I can probably rattle off a few points here and there from, from many key matches in my career. Um, so that was easy to reflect on as it was a matter of once the outline was put in place for the book um, and some subtitles, if you will, uh, many of the titles, of the chapters changed along the way, but it was really about understanding, okay, what, identif what do I identify with this? And wanting to be somewhat current um, in giving specific examples of things and then reflecting back, the reflection was very easy. Yes, I've kept journals. Um, I didn't keep journals consistently because again, it wasn't about writing a book. It wasn't my goal, um, but I have a lot of photos and I could just reflect back on photos from my career. And yes, I do have a couple of videos that I have. I wasn't one of those mainstream players on center court all the time that got TV time. So I didn't have too many videos, but it was a situation of really kind of using all of those things and really having conversations with you know, lists of people that I had written down that had impacted me in some form or fashion in my life. Having those conversations, um, I work, I did work with a collaborator and, you know, she was also able to have many of these conversations as well. You know, me waking up in the middle of the night, hitting the, the voice memo on my phone when I would think of things. I, I say I did my best writing and thinking probably between the hours of two and 4 a.m. Uh, in the morning. But yeah, it's just a process. And, um, you know, I, I've been telling people late, uh, lately 
you know, this wasn't a labor of love because my intent was not to write a book. I said it was just labor because it was a lot of work of, of kind of reflecting and gathering intel. And, but I enjoyed it um, and I'm, I'm glad that process is over and, and I'm able to talk about it. How long, how long did the process last? I'm curious. Uh, I, I would say about 15 months. You know, we, we started writing, started the book probably, or started compiling um, thoughts in October of 2018. Uh, kind of had an outline by January of 2019 and, and had to turn in the manuscript at the end of January in 2020 because it was due to come out in July of 2020. And then of course the world turned upside down and inside out. And, um, and then it got delayed to 2021. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been sitting there for a year before, uh, before it was actually gone, had actually gone into print. So um, I'm still pleased, uh, you know, obviously 2020 was a, was a tough year for many and, and there's a lot of things that you could probably add to the book. Um, but I'm really pleased with the outcome of that book and, and how, um, the process, you know, the, the outcome of the process of the book to get to where it is today. Most important thing tennis gave you? I mean, what, what is the single biggest gift you got from the sport? Uh, a perspective on life. I mean, it gave me the opportunity to travel the world, um, you know, starting first travel my city, my state, my region, um, my nation, and then the world as I progressed through it. I mean, from junior tennis to high school tennis, playing, you know, the high school state championship, third, my junior and senior year, um, NCAA champ at Northwestern in doubles with Diane Donnelly. And, and then obviously 12 years on a tour with 20 doubles titles. So, you know, I've met a ton of people around the world, built a ton of relationships. Um, I have a huge network and, you know, it's allowed me to really reflect on that whole journey that I just talked about and figure out how I can get back to the sport to make sure that someone else has not just that journey, but a better journey and, or just an opportunity to put themselves on that pathway. And then it's up to them to, to figure out how to navigate it. Well, was there anything that impeded your success? I mean, was, was there anything that um, tennis inhibited? No, not really. I think, you know, my, I probably got in my, in my own way, um, in, in, in some instances of, of not, um, probably playing to my potential. And that's because I was always interested in doing other things. I was always on a board. I was on the WTA players association board. I was on the WTA tour board. Um, I always wanted to learn more and, and figure out how I can make a difference. And so, yeah, some of those off-court uh, focal points probably inhibited me from doing the training that I needed to do in certain times or, or really inspire me to really want to go to the top. I feel that I, I definitely could have been a top 20 singles player, if not more, had I really put that effort into it. But you know what, if I'd done that, maybe my journey would be different and I wouldn't be sitting here talking about this today. So there's nothing that I regret. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, tennis is an opportunity for you to make your own choices. You know, I talk about sacrifices in the book, but it's really your, your own choices that you make that determine the path that you go, whether you're going straight, left or right. And, um, and I'm, 
I'm inspired by the opportunities that the sport provides for many. Well, I think that that's a really interesting point because, and I think it has relevance today. I mean, you you have a number one player in the world who is trying to figure out how much he wants to hit tennis balls and how much he wants to be politically involved and try and try and affect change. How did, I mean, explain the relationship between being politically active as a player and the impact that had on your, on the tennis. I mean, was it in your head? Was it just a question of time commitment? What is the relationship between sitting on councils and trying to improve your ranking? Yeah, I mean, you know, sitting on councils is, is one thing. Um, I don't think it, it's really how much time it affects you. How does it affect you individually, right? How much time are you putting into that? How did it affect you? Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, because going through that process, I wasn't thinking that I was affected. And um, it's just the way that I dealt with it. I also, you know, I was also a player that, had way more talent than, than um, you know, a lot of people had in their, in their thumb. But I relied on that talent more so than hard work at sometimes. It took me a long time to figure out that I needed to work harder in, in a lot of situations. And, and sometimes, not sometimes, but I feel that maybe I started a little bit too late in that process, but that's on me. Um, that's not on anyone else. It's not, it's definitely not on my coaches because they definitely were trying to get me to work a little bit harder and, and spend more time doing certain things. But, you know, today I think is a little bit different than, than my era. I wasn't really fighting for political issues um, or social justice issues that really affect humanity and humankind. You know, I was focusing on, you know, how we could get more for our players and, and get more tournaments and get more prize money and things of that nature that, you know, I feel good about because look where the tour is today. And I feel that I had something to do with that, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So today it's a different situation when you talk about the social injustice and the, and the racial environment that we live in and the voices that are being heard from our player group, um, you know, in 2020, 2021 and going forward. It's, it's a, much bigger issue and I think it's you know I applaud these ladies because I wish I had the strength and the courage to do what they did um, many years ago of course there are always opportunities to bring these these issues to the forefront but today they're more visual to the world and so it's a lot easier to insert yourself in that place titles will always be there you know rankings will be there but if you've accomplished that goal and you have something bigger in life to accomplish and to speak for, then that's way more valuable than being on that court all the time. People criticize Serena and Venus for years for only playing X amount of tournaments. Oh, if they only played more tournaments, oh, they could have won more Grand Slams. They could have done this, they could have done that. No one ever, no one ever really focused on the fact that they were continuing their education, finishing high school, getting a college degree, starting multiple businesses along the way, because that's what they need going forward for the next 30, 40 years of their lives versus you know, a 10 year period of, of just honing in and then having to start anew. So I applaud all the players who are vocal, who are active, who are, are making a difference in their own lives for their self growth, for the future um, that they will have beyond the tennis court. If I ask the kids in your programs, who, who's their favorite player? What do they say? Serena Williams and or Naomi Osaka. 
Is that are you, are you seeing? I was going to ask you that if you're seeing uh, if you're seeing this Naomi Osaka effect as well. Oh, of course. I mean, she's a champion. So people follow champions, and people want to be like champions. And so you know what what Naomi has accomplished on the court has been amazing. You know, when you look at the the run that she's had in the slams, we'll see what she does in Roland Garros. Um, it's not her favorite surfers. We all know that yeah. and um, hasn't fared well in, in the lead up tournaments for, for that. But, um, you know, she's phenomenal. And I think just her, we saw her mature and grow up almost overnight during the, la during the last year because of the social unrest and racial pandemic in, in America of where she was speaking out from. Yeah, she's um, her black background is Haitian and she's half Japanese, but she lives in America and it doesn't matter where she is. When people see her, they see a black woman before they see anything else. And it doesn't matter where she's from. And I, she's experienced that. And, and I think she recognizes the importance of even more so to fight against that because you see her as a number one player in the world from Japan. I see her as a black woman. You do. That's how yeah. you see And that's what most black people do. I, I want to ask you more. I, I want to go back to you because one thing that always interests me with athletes and especially in an individual sport who make a transition to leadership like you have, how, how did you learn the nuances? How did you learn when to speak in a meeting and who to BCC on an email and, and sort of water cooler talk? How did you learn the stuff that you pick up if you're, spending 10 years in a law firm or in a, you know, in a hedge fund and not 10 years on the WTA tour. How did you pick up on that? Yeah, I think it's a process of networking, um, you know, having conversations, who you're leaning on for advice. You know, I picked up on mentors very, very early when I got on the board to kind of help me uh, with the nuances of being on that kind of board. I mean, being on the WTA Players Association board, you're sitting around a table with all players, you know, a couple executives. Um, it's a very different conversation than when you're in a room um, like a USTA board. And so, you know, the, um, the late mayor, David Dinkins, um, was on the board when I joined and he kind of put his arm around me and I had Alan Schwartz, uh, who I've known since I was seven, was on that particular board. And, and then I just kind of learned, you know, you, you sit back, you do your research, you make sure you read your board book, you listen. And, but if something impacts you, if you have something to say, there's no reason why you shouldn't be raising your hand and speaking up um, and you understand the nuances along the way. But that's just by, I don't want to say trial and error, but it's just really by um, observing and, um, you know, being patient but also being able to utilize your voice when you definitely had something to add to it. You know, I think the value that I had in the boardroom is when you look at the USCA, we're about grassroots, we're about growing the game from the base. Well, guess what? I was that grassroots player in an NJTL program. I played junior tournaments, high school, college, you know, professional. I was a coach, commentator. There's no one in the game that I really don't know or have a com conversation with or can have a conversation with. And so the networking um, is, was invaluable for me in, in putting myself in that role. And then as I started to progress, um, became even more invaluable. When, I mean, I mean this in the best possible way. When, when did your ambition kick in? Like, when did you realize 
you wanted to be more than a tennis player. When did you realize that the net networking mattered? That you you mentioned uh, Alan Schwartz, who I'm sure you knew as a kid in in the Midwest. Um, wh when did this ambition start to take hold? I don't know. <laughs> um, I was a tennis player. I love to play. I love to compete. I but you know when when it's time to uh, say goodbye to the competitive side, then you start to think differently and saying, okay, where's my future? What am I gonna do with this? Um, I went immediately into being a national coach in the middle of my, my career. I'm not middle of my career, middle of my last year in my career. And, um, and, and I had never probably taken a break from the sport, putting my rackets in a closet since I was seven. So from seven to 35, when I stopped coaching or being a national coach, um, I didn't have time to really reflect. And so when I left the, the court, when my body said, uh, that's enough, right. you know, I started to say, okay, what do I, what do I want to do next? And I always wanted to be a commentator. You know, I'd done some guest commentary work um, at tournaments here and there, you know, sit in for a couple games or a set. And I studied communications at Northwestern. So I, I knew that I could do it. I knew that that was something in the back of my mind. And I was fortunate enough to, to start with Tennis Channel, um, you know, on a consistent basis when they first came on air. And, you know, from there, you're, you're learning a different side of the sport, but you're also starting to network with different people. And I would say once I got even more engaged on that side, you know, I became a volunteer with the USTA on a committee. I started on a committee. Um, and from that experience, that's when I, I knew that I wanted to do more with this organization because I didn't really understand it. As players, we didn't really know sure. who the USCA was. We played USCA tournaments. We got a USCA ranking and they ran a US Open and they picked the Fed Cup and Davis Cup team. That's what we knew. And, and so I didn't really know that all the things that I was a recipient of coming up as a junior in these tournaments. And, and so I grew up in Chicago and our district is a Chicago District Tennis Association where I was on these CDTA excellence teams, traveling and playing and you know playing against Indianapolis and uh, Columbus and other teams in our junior Fed Cup competitions. Um, nationals you know i was on a national team as a junior probably from my 14s on up where the usta was funding these teams and then i was on a college team in in the summertime the usta was funding these teams i didn't really understand that when you're in it but when you start to look back and say wow the usda has done so much for so many players and and trying to help them develop and grow I had no idea. And so that's when I really wanted to say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the decision making because I can speak on experience in a lot of these areas as to what worked and what didn't work. And, and that's how I kind of dove into it um, a little deeper. Um, all right, speed round. Give me, give me your quick, quick answers to these. Um, so the fir first one is, uh, there's there's an eight-year-old kid who likes tennis, but he likes other sports as well. How does tennis go about making that girl or that boy a tennis player? I agree with multi-sport players, um, you know, but I think the tennis with the footwork and the hand-eye coordination 
you talk to them that it can make them better in the other sports, but you talk about the benefits of tennis and, and um, you know, a longstanding sport and college scholarship opportunities and you get them in there. How do we, uh, we, we had Andrea Godenzi on, I think two, two weeks ago, um, this idea of floating around of, of the merged ATP WTA tour. Uh, thoughts or against? I think it's time. Um, it, it's definitely, you know, the game has definitely grown, um, you know, exponentially as to how, you know, with the prize money, the number of events, et cetera, and, and the number of events that are combined. And I, I, do, I do think it's time so that people can talk about the sport as a whole, as opposed to the men and the women. There are zero American men ranked in the top 20, which uh, for, for people from our generation is unthinkable. Uh, to, to what extent are you concerned about that? I think it's been a concern for many years as we've, as we've seen that decline, um, you know, from the last great four of Curry or Sampras, Chang and Agassi. Um, you know, we've had Isner up there that was hanging on, but of course he's, uh, you know, he's getting older. But I, we do have a, a good group of young players, and it's just a matter of them getting there from the time to Taylor Fritz and Tiafo. But do, do you think it matters? I mean, I, my, my sort of instinct is it, it's an international sport, and it's these, these devices we all carry in our pocket only internationalize it. Why, why does it matter? Um, I, think it, I think it matters for, for optics in particular, you know, with your fan base. Um, it's something that's all we've always had those players. So it's something that's evident because it's not there. And because people like you keep talking about there's no players in the top 20. So if we keep talking about it, then everyone's going to say, yeah, what's wrong with us? But the world has gotten bigger. Um, it's opened up more. And there's so many more athletes that have coming out, you know, these, of these other countries that weren't there 20 years ago. And but I think it, it, it helps when you're talking about getting kids into the sport and keeping them there, that there is that top player that they can identify with. They identify with Serena, they identify with Sloan, they identify with Kennan, but, you know, and, and with Brady now. But we don't really have that champion, if you will, on the, on the men's side to keep our boys engaged. So I think that's why it matters. But I, I, I mean, I guess, does, does tennis need American tennis? You mean American champions? Yeah, I mean, does the, the, the tennis as an institute, we talk about this unified sport. Absolutely, because we, you know, when we have our tournaments, you know, when we have our tournaments here in America and we try to keep our tournaments in America, it's important to have those American players in there because our, our fans still want to go and support our Americans. You know, when we go to other countries, the crowds are all into their, their players. It's the atmosphere that we need here in the U.S. for our tournaments. Um, for our sponsors, for sponsors to want to get into the tournaments to support these American players, you know, for our TV rights to want to make sure that we're showing American players. So, yes, I think it does matter. Last question. What's, what's, the, next, uh, what's the next arena you want to own? Sport, baby, sport. It's all about sports for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by all sports as to what they offer to young people and to these these amazing professional athletes that are doing their thing across every platform. But it's really, you know, for me, it, it's staying in sport in some form or fashion and, and being able to be that leader and, and offer that advice where it comes. Um, right now, that platform is my NJTL that I continue to support and uplift and try to raise funds for. Um, 
but you know, we'll see what the future holds. Great. Uh, where can people get the book? I'll, I'll send an Amazon link, but is there a bookstore you like to send people to? Is there something you know what? You can go to my website and, and click on buy the book and then it sends you to multiple different um, avenues. So as opposed to just supporting one or the other, um, my website is katrinamadams.com, M for Michelle. And um, yeah, please, please buy the book. But, you know, Amazon, of course, is always there. You get it overnight and and hopefully you enjoy the book you know my goal is is to inspire everyone to own their own arena you know these books are like tattoos you you do one and you uh you want more you, you've we'll got see, another one we'll of these all right um all right this is great. anything else you want to uh mention plug throw out there anything we missed no, this is great. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's, you know, we, we've been in this together and, and calling matches and, and I'm, you know, I'm just thrilled that 2021 is a lot more positive with, with these tournaments, not just on the professional level, but also getting the juniors back on the court um, because it's, it's just amazing to watch. Um, all right, great. This was fun. And uh, we will, uh, we'll help you sell a million copies. We'll throw people to, uh, to your website. This is great. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks to Cat Adams for the visit. Always a pleasure. Again, the book is Own the Arena. Buy it on Amazon. Get it through Cat's website wherever you get books. Uh, thanks to Cat. Thanks, as always, to Jamie for her production. She, uh, not unlike Cat Adams, she does a million other jobs. So uh, we are always appreciative. Uh, other tennis news. Nadal has just beaten Alcaraz, his uh, teenage Monkey. Um, Naomi Osaka struggles on clay. Ash Barty does not. Some players uh, may be separating from their parents and coaches, which may be a topic we will tackle next week. Uh, we just were lucky enough to get an advanced copy of Billie Jean King's memoir. Uh, co-written, shout out, collaborator, John Ed Howard, uh, former colleague. But Billie Jean King has a memoir coming out later this summer. All sorts of tennis news. Um We will have another podcast next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Keep the guest suggestions coming. Subscribe, leave a review. uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, More and more frequently, it does seem people just get them off Spotify. That's cool, too. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to Kat, and we'll do it again next week. Have a good week, everyone. (laughs) 